You can get your notes out and we're going to go back to the book of Daniel. We started this a couple of weeks ago and last week, I think I spent too much time reading the entire chapter. And so it kind of got cut, in, cut off into the preaching time of the, uh, the message. But we're dealing with the, the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. And we're doing some character studies, uh, character lessons from this important book of the Bible. These young men were, went through a difficult time. They were in their teens and they were taken from their homeland in Israel and in Jerusalem particularly. Probably sons of kings and rulers and high authorities in the city uh, and in, in, in the politics of Jerusalem. They'd been trained in the scriptures. Perhaps they had been reading their Bibles the best that they had, what they had up at that point. Uh, probably mostly the Pentateuch and getting into the books of Moses and maybe reading some of the prophecies of some of the prophets of their day. And uh, they had been trained in the scriptures. And so when Nebuchadnezzar's armies came in and hauled them off to Babylon and did everything they could to brainwash them and to train them into becoming good Babylonians rather than good Jewish boys, good Jewish young men, Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 talks about Daniel purposing in his heart or making up his mind that he would not defile himself with all of the pleasures of Babylon. And then he had his three friends, Mishael, Azariah, and uh, uh, I cannot remember the other one's first name. But uh, these, these three men, you know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, these th- four young men, in spite of all of the pressures, the peer pressure that came upon them, decided to stand for what was right. And they went through a time of testing, and then God allowed them to rise up to actually become part of the king's counselors there in Babylon. And uh, they lived for the Lord, and they loved the Lord, and it was evident that God was blessing them. Then we get into Daniel chapter 2, where we started last week and got into this, the source of all wisdom. We see where Daniel recognizes that God is the source of all wisdom. Anything good that happened in his life, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood that anything good that happened in their lives was because they were walking with God and God had taught them and trained them. And now they find themselves, you can see the notes there, I'm just going to hit the outline really quick and then we'll go through it. Last week we looked at the idea of a royal problem. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar hadn't, hadn't slept well one night and the Lord gave him a dream. We talked about in the Old Testament how sometimes God spoke to people through dreams. And God, the Bible tells us that God raises up kings and sets them down. He turns the heart of the king, whithersoever he will, like water gets turned. And so God spoke to Nebuchadnezzar through this dream. And it troubled him because he was looking at it and going, what does this mean? But he wanted to really find the truth. And so he decided that he was not going to tell anyone what the dream was. And that if anyone could tell him what the dream was, then they were probably the ones who understood what it meant. So he called together all of the wise men of Babylon and he challenged them. He says, I had a dream last night and I could not sleep and it troubled my soul. I want you to tell me what the dream is and I want you to tell me what the dream meant. And those wise men, most of who were basically sorcerers and and magicians and conjurers and makers up of stories, 
decided that uh, they couldn't do that. And so they told the king, we are not going to do this. We can't do this. We don't know how to do this. And they made the comment that that type of thing can only happen with the gods and the gods don't dwell among men. Wow. They didn't know God, did they? They only knew their false gods. And they could not come up with a creative enough idea. And you see in the outline there that you had a furious king. And he said, all right, you all have been lying to me all along. And I am not going to tell you what the dream means or what the dream was. And I'm going to find out who's telling me the truth. And if you can't tell me the truth, then he literally said, I'm going to dismember you. I'm going to take you apart limb by limb. And all of these wise men were in a very difficult predicament, a royal problem. Among those wise men were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, apparently the news hadn't gotten to Daniel right away. So we see the fearless prophet. We talked about this last week. The fearless prophet spoke up. And he, and he talked to Arioch, the captain of the, the keeper of all of these wise men. And, their, and the servants, and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to kind of answer to him. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, can you talk to the king and give us a little more time so that I can pray to God about this? And then Arioch said, all right. And he took him into the talk to King Nebuchadnezzar face to face. Now, this is a man, the most powerful man in the world. And Daniel goes in and makes an appeal and said, would you please give me enough time to talk to God about this? And the king granted it to him because he had seen character in the life of Daniel. You see, character matters every day. What you do every day, where you go to work, where you go to school, you be truthful, you be honest with people, you, tell, you, you, you show people genuine concern and care for them, you, you, you stand up for what's truth every day, you stay away from the, the troubles of life, you stay away from those things that would defile you, and, and then God will bless you. And so God allowed Daniel to get that extra time. And Daniel did the right thing. He found it was time to pray. And this is where we ended up last week. He went to prayer. He got together with his three friends. And uh, they got together. They went to their house. They had a cottage prayer meeting is what they had. Uh, you don't have to come to church to pray, folks. You don't. You can pray in the morning. You can pray at your home. You can pray with your family. You can gather friends together at your house and have a time of fellowship. And it ought to include a time of prayer. So you can have all of these things. And these men got together and they prayed. And they turned over their burden to the Lord. They cast it upon the Lord. And they said, Lord, you know, you can give us the answer here. And then they did something that most of us couldn't do. They went to sleep. I mean, there was, a, there was a price on their heads. Uh, they, were, they were about to be dismembered, literally pulled apart. These ancient kings had a way sometimes where they would strap you to two horses and, and they would tell the one horse to go that way and the other horse to go that way and you would be going wherever direction, whatever came loose went. Difficult, hard, painful death. And this is what they were facing. And yet they had cast their burden upon the Lord. And asked him to give him. They had faith. Someone said this. Faith is expressed both in knowing that God can help. I think we all know God can help. He's all powerful. He's sovereign. He is over it all. He created it all. He can control everything. He's absolutely in control. And I think we know that sometimes in our heart. But he wants us to talk to him about this. 
You know, sometimes we are so busy just worrying and struggling with our problems and, and, and wringing our hands in, in, in concern and gossiping among one another and sharing how hard, how bad we feel with one another and how scared we are, how frightened we are. But the Bible tells us to cast our burdens upon the Lord. That's what prayer is. This is why we need to be a praying people, why we need to be a praying church, why you need to be a praying family, why you need to be a praying individual. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. That's easier said than done. But it is a choice that we must make if we're going to have the peace of God in our hearts. I know in this room there are people here who are dealing with cancer. There are people in this room who are dealing with sickness in their families. Some of you are concerned about your jobs. Some of you are concerned about your children. There's all kinds of concerns that we have. Take it to the Lord and leave it there. Daniel did that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did that. And then we see in Daniel chapter 2, look in your Bibles there to Daniel chapter 2 and verse 19. Daniel chapter 2 verse 19, they have a reason to praise. They've had their prayer meeting. Now it's come time to praise. Daniel chapter 2 verse 19, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Now listen, isn't that something? Here we have a young man, he's probably in his early teens. He's been threatened with his life. He goes to the Lord in prayer, and God gives him an answer. You know, a lot of us, a lot of times we go to prayer and then God works it out. And then we go, oh, yeah, that worked out. And we forget to take the time to praise God. I I like cowboy poetry. The teenagers know that. They hate that when we take a road trip. But I was playing some cowboy poetry the other day and I heard about an old cowboy that was riding along and his horse bucked him and he ended up falling off a cliff. And as he's going down the cliff and falling free falling he's saying oh god if 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 i if i if you will save me from this i will stop my drinking and my cursing and my swearing and i'll be good to you and i'll follow you and i'll worship you and then a tree reaches up and grabs him by the by the blue jeans and he's hanging there by his blue jeans and he said okay god forget about that i got this this is the way it is sometimes god answers our prayers and we think well we, we did it and it just worked out If God answers your prayers, make sure you take the time to praise him 
Every Wednesday night, we have our prayer list that goes out on our Wednesday night services. And we have a, a place for requests. And then there's a place for answers to prayer. Write those down. I think when we were a young, when I was a young man, we had a youth program. They call, and, and, and part of that program was a, a, they gave us a book. It's called a book of remembrance. And it was a place where you wrote down answers to prayer, blessings of God. And then what happens when you run into that is when you get down the road and you run into a difficult situation yourself personally, or you come in contact with somebody else who's going through difficulty, you can pull out that book of remembrance and say, look, God helped us through this, God helped us through this, God helped us through this, God helped us through this. I think David must have had a book of remembrance. Came time to fight against Goliath. And what happened? He said, well, God helped me with a bear. God helped me with a lion. I can take care of this. He remembered the past and how God helped him. Well, you'll find great encouragement when you praise the Lord. And I think it's interesting. Daniel praised God privately before he praised him publicly. Don't make this just a time when you say, well, I'll wait till I'll share with other people what God's done. You make sure that in the privacy of your prayer closet, you stop and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for getting me through this. Before rushing to Arioch with the news, Daniel took time to give God credit for all wisdom and power, thanking God for answering his requests. We need to learn to match our persistence in prayer, asking for things, with a persistence to be grateful when our requests are answered. So we have a reason to praise. There was a humble proclamation in Daniel chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Basically, he says, Halt the executions. King, you're about ready to kill a bunch of people, and you should not do that. Daniel chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and spoke to him as, uh, as follows. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. You know, life matters. Daniel could have said, well, you know, I'm the only one who knew the truth. And all these other guys have been lying. Man, go ahead and take them out. That'll give me an opportunity in advance. Get all the competition out of the way. But Daniel understood also that by sparing these people's lives, it gives them another opportunity to know about God. It gives them another opportunity to learn the truth. You know, we look in the city and we see people in the streets sometimes. Yesterday I walked down to City Hall and passed some alleyways full of filth and people who are living in absolute squalor, tents, drug addicts, alcoholics, some people who are just hurting and stuck out there. I don't know all the reasons that people are there. And I don't want want to be judgmental of them. But we need to pray for those people, just as Daniel prayed for these wicked magicians Pray that God will keep them alive long enough to hear the truth and to have an opportunity to come to Christ. Remember them, the down and outer, and don't forget the up and outer, the people who are too rich and too powerful and too proud to listen. Pray that God will keep them long enough to find a way to humble them so they can hear the truth and listen to it. We need to be praying. We need to be a pro-life people, Uh, not just for babies, but for all people. 
Halt the executions. Exalt the Lord, verse 25. And Ariak hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. That's his, his Babylonian name. Are you able to make known to me the dreams which I have seen and its interpretation? Now look what Daniel does. He could have said, I'm so smart. I'm wise. I've been, I figured this out. And the king would have been no wiser. He wouldn't have known. But look at Daniel's response in verse 27. Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, and listen to this, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to Nebuchadnezzar, what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while in your, on your bed. As for you, O king, while you're on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king, and that you may understand the thoughts of your minds. You know, Daniel alone stood between the fury of the king and all of these magicians. Daniel alone was in a very powerful position at this time. But he made sure that he acknowledged that it was God who put him there. If you've been risen to a place of leadership, remember it was God who put you there as an opportunity to speak up for God where you are. He's put you in a divine place of opportunity. Recognize it, use it, use whatever your situation is to glorify the Lord. And then Daniel goes in and describes the king, the, the dream in verse 31. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue was large and of extraordinary splendor was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its breast and arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that there was not, so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. You can almost see Nebuchadnezzar's eyes go, wow. He does know what my dream is. God did speak to him. Now what does it mean? Can you imagine what was going on in his mind? Daniel went on to interpret the message. The Babylonian kingdom is described in verses 32 and then down in verse 36 and 38. The head of gold, the head of the statue was made of gold. And the Bible tells us that Daniel told him, you are that head of gold in verse 38. Now that was the only kingdom that Daniel really knew the name of and knew the leader of. But then he started speaking prophetically about things that were coming. Now, Daniel lived long enough to see the second kingdom. 
And it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 32, we're speaking of a kingdom that's, instead of being gold, it is, its breasts and its arms are of silver. Verse 39 describes it as another kingdom inferior to the Babylonian kingdom. And then we get into the next kingdom, the kingdom that follows in Daniel 32, uh, 2 and verse 32, its belly and its thighs of bronze. And uh, verse 39 says, a third kingdom which will rule over all the earth. Then you get to verse 33 and it talks about legs of iron and feet partly of iron mixed with clay. And that's talking about a fourth kingdom that's in verse chapter 40, or 2 verse 40, which is strong as iron, as much as iron crushes and shatters all things. And partly of clay, verse 42, talks about that, talks about how to be in, there was some brittleness about it. Gold is a beautiful metal, but it's kind of soft. Then you get to silver, it's a little bit, little bit stronger and not quite as full of luster as gold. Then you get to the bronze, which is more utilitarian. There's still a glow about it, but it's just stronger. And then you get to iron, and there's not much glory, not much beauty, a whole lot of strength. That's what we're talking about. Now, Daniel knew what, Daniel saw these things, but he didn't understand everything that he was seeing. This is the way prophecy works sometimes. I know there are people that have come to me and said, are we going to get into the prophecy in Daniel? Well, we might. A little bit. We have in the past on Wednesday nights. But the thing about prophecy is you can look at it and there are people that want to know all the ins and outs and all the details. And we can get so fascinated with that that we miss out on the fact that God's just showing us that he is in control and that he has a plan and his will is going to be accomplished. Now, how can we know that this is going to happen? We look back in history here now and we see this vision. And we look back in history and we know that there was a Babylonian kingdom. And that that king was named Nebuchadnezzar. And in the eyes of people in his day, it was a head of gold. And even while Daniel was still alive, that second kingdom showed up. The next kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom. He didn't know it until they actually showed up. The Medo-Persian kingdom and King Cyrus comes along. And he takes over the Babylonian kingdom. And then Daniel didn't live long enough to see the third and the fourth kingdoms. The third kingdom was the Greek kingdom with Alexander the Great that came in and defeated the Medo-Persians. And then we see after that the Romans came along and defeated uh, the, the Grecian kingdom and took over the world at that time. We look back in history and we see these things. And what we do when we see these things in history, we look at it and say, ah, God kept his promises in the past. Now we can look at that. So when he makes promises about coming again, we can believe that too. Right? God keeps his word every time. You can trust him. Daniel goes on in chapter 2 verse 34 and talks about an eternal kingdom that comes in and crushes the Romans and crushes the Greeks and crushes the Medo-Persians, crushes the Babylonians and takes it over all. And it's talking about the kingdom of God. But again, prophecy is not an exact study. But it does give us hope that Jesus, that God, is in control. Daniel chapter 2, verse 45, 44. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. 
And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. But it will itself endure forever. Verse 45, inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. God is in control of the rise and the fall of earthly empires. All kings are under his rule, and his kingdom will ultimately reign supreme. I sometimes get notices from people. Matter of fact, I get probably more than I want to get. What do you think about this president? What do you think about this senator? What do you think about this law? What do you think about this and that and the other thing? And I say, well, nobody rises to power unless God wants them there. You say, well, I don't like that guy. Well, it doesn't matter. God put him there for a purpose, just like he used Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus and Alexander and the Caesars. God puts them there for a purpose. And we don't have to necessarily understand why, but we have been commanded to pray for those in authority. And whether you like the president or not, you should pray for the president. Now, when it comes time to vote, vote. Use the opportunity that you have to make an impact. But then when your candidate doesn't make it or don't get down and suck your thumb and feel bad and live in hate. Recognize that God allowed this for a purpose and pray and be faithful and use the opportunities that God has given to you to be faithful where you are. God rises them up. God sets them down. In the end, Jesus is going to win. And we can be looking for that. Second Peter chapter 3, look at this, if you would, for just a minute. Turn your Bibles. You got your Bibles? You should turn there, turn there for just a minute. Second Kings chapter 3, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. You ever heard that? Oh, you people, you Christians have been saying Jesus is coming. Sure, he is. He's been saying, you've been saying that for 2,000 years. Where is he? Why hasn't he come? Verse 5, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. God kept his promise then. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. That day is coming. But do not let this one fact escape your notion, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some men count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. 
in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burnt up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So when you think of prophecy and you think of all these things, Daniel could look back and look and say, these things are coming and it's frightening, but the Lord's going to win. That kept him encouraged. And we look at the present day and we hear about mass shootings and we hear about riots in the streets. We hear about things that are happening economically and we get all worried and we get all frustrated. We take those burdens to the Lord and we trust him because we know he's going to win. And I'm on the winning side. We may not have won yet, but we're on the winning side. The game is not over. We need to stay with it. Well, Daniel honored God. And so God honored him. Look in Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. God honored. Daniel chapter 2, verse 47. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely... Your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you've been able to reveal this ministry, this mystery. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was not at this point ready to accept God as his God. But he couldn't help but notice that God was real and that God was more powerful than all the gods of all of those false prophets that were in the kingdom. That Daniel's God was very special. You know, sometimes we get the gospel to people and we talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. We tell them what he's done for us. We tell them what he's done for them. And they say, yeah, that's okay. That works. They watch your life and they say, yeah, God, that works for you. I have had somebody tell me that. That works for you. It's not for me. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep working. And maybe one day you'll get to like a Daniel chapter 4 where we see that Nebuchadnezzar actually acknowledges God as his God. It's an amazing thing. You ought to read the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. We'll get there eventually. So don't be discouraged as you're getting the gospel out. Be faithful. God will be exalted as you are faithful to him. God was honored. And then Daniel was promoted. Verse 46 if you declare, uh, the, oh, no, Daniel, God had pro, or Nebuchadnezzar had promised back in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 6, if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and reward and honor. That's what, Dan, that's what Nebuchadnezzar had promised to anyone who could give him the answers. Daniel did it. And Nebuchadnezzar kept his promise. Verse 46, 40 verses later, then Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel the most powerful man in the world, got down on his knees in front of a fearless prophet and gave orders to present him an offering and a fragrant incense. I can tell you this because I've been in positions where I've worked with some people who are very wealthy. I remember having the opportunity one time on the island of Guam. There was a billionaire on the island who showed up at a revival service he had kids in our Christian school. The preacher preached. And that billionaire came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. 
and I was able to help him come to know the Lord. Now, the gospel's for anyone. It got Nebuchadnezzar's attention. And he recognized that there was someone who was living for truth. So your character matters. Your character matters. You be faithful in your workplace. You be faithful in your school. You be faithful with your family. Don't compromise. Don't back off. Stick true to the word of God. Daniel chapter 2 verse 48. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And verse 49 says, Daniel was at the king's court. He was number two in the whole kingdom. Now, we don't serve God for that. We don't serve God for that. Just remember, anything that you get in this life, you're going to leave it all behind. Whatever it is. We serve God because of who he is and what he's done. We serve God because we know there's something greater coming. I'd rather get my rewards from the king of kings than from any king down here. Now, also Daniel stayed humble. Remember now, he could have said, hey, I'm the greatest, I'm the wisest, I'm the smartest, I'm the only one who could have done this. I'm the one who walks closest with God. I've seen Christians get proud of their Christianity. I've I've seen preachers get proud of their preaching. I don't want to do that. We need to remember everything that happens in our life is from God. And our goal should be to help others come along beside us and help us in the work of the Lord. I'm thankful for a church like you that jumps in. I was looking at uh, the, the so many things that happen behind the scenes here. I walked through, looked at our Sunday school teachers this morning and looked at them, watched as, as Florence was praying with the little children. Not Grace was praying with the little children. I stuck my head in the door and, and Florence is teaching the little older ones. I listened out in the hall. I didn't want to interrupt the boobay, but he's teaching them truth. I like to go through Pastor Kelly's class and watch as he's teaching the adults. And I like to go into the kitchen and see what's for lunch. (laughs) Those people are also serving the Lord. And we need to be helping each other grow in the things of the Lord. This is what Daniel did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. There's their names. Daniel chapter 2, verse 49. Daniel made requests to the king. His friends were remembered. And he appointed Shadrach, Hananiah, Meshach, Mishael, and Abednego, Azariah, over the administration of the province of Babylon. I like what somebody said here. F.B. Meyer said this. He says, those who have shared our anxieties and prayers, joined us in a prayer meeting, must not be forgotten in our hour of triumph. That's a blessing. That's the way it should be. This is no time for Lone Rangers. It's time for all of us to be working together for the glory of God to accomplish his work. And to let him get the glory for anything good that happens. It really doesn't matter who gets the credit down here as long as God gets the glory. So let's be faithful to him. There's no denying these are dangerous days. There's no, design, no denying that we face many problems like Daniel and his cohorts faced those days. But let's be prayer warriors like those four young men. Let's pro- proclaim truth boldly. Let's praise the Lord when he works. 
And remember that our God is worthy of praise. And let's trust him. Trust him. He wins in the end. Father, thank you for who you are and how you work. We don't always understand. Sometimes we go through very great difficulties that we don't enjoy at all. But we know that you are God and we acknowledge you. Help us to have the faith of Daniel and his friends. And would you use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.